podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an extra special podcast. We've added one in for this week as a preview of the Man United game and also a brief review of the Preston match from midweek. Uh, we're doing that because spontaneously we've managed to get back a guy you might recognise from a few weeks ago when we played Man United last time. It is Belfast-based Man United supporter Peter Ronald. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, looking forward to the games against you, a procession of them coming up. Um, we've got uh, Robin with us as well. Hello, Robin. Hi, Russ. Yeah, nothing from Peter at the moment. I think he's on another surreptitious mission to sign us some players. The messy deal didn't work out in the end. I don't know which weekend he's going for this time. <laughs> we missed out on Suarez as well. 5.5 million, that would have been a good deal. You know, just the small caveat, he wouldn't have come to us in a million years. But apart from that, it would have been good value. Um, would you have liked to seen him at uh, Man United, Peter, given his previous associations? I couldn't give a damn if you're scoring against them. <laughs> <laughs> Which inevitably would against an old team and everything. Yeah. Well, we'll come on to um, the Man United game a little bit later. First of all, just wanted to sift through a few bits of news this week. Um, firstly, transfer-wise, not much going on so far. Uh, we've signed a guy called Ella from um, Robin, remind me. Amiel. That's the one, yeah, in, in Ligue 2, uh, which we did talk about on the last pod. But nothing else new as far as I know. Um, there's been quite a bit of debate. We are still being linked with Brewster. Um, we've apparently become favourites for Origi, which we were talking about before. Brewster's also interesting, the C word, up the road. And uh, Ben Romer, And we are is... about to sign this Kosovan, is what's broken today. Ah, right, Okay. Tell his us name. more about that. I heard some of it, but is it, I is can't it, remember. Uh, his name is Shakira, uh, isn't it? No, yeah, he's similar. He's a, he's he played for the Swiss kind of age international age groups all the way up to under twenty ones. He's called Andy Zakiri, oh, that's um, and he's he is of Kosovan descent. I think he's recently switched um, international allegiances to Kosovo. Um, so the rumour is that he's going to be joining for a fee of about €5 million Euro, um, mm. on a four-year contract. And the source for this is a, an Italian journalist who's got two million followers on Twitter. So I'd imagine right. he's fairly, fairly, uh, fairly good as a source. He was supposed to be going to Parma, um, but it seems as if we've managed to mm. divert him to come to us. So hopefully he will be the... He's not really, I think he's about six foot or six foot one. So, I mean, he's taller than what we've got at the moment. So I guess he's going to be the, potentially the more physically imposing option. But at the yeah. moment, with only two strikers, anything is a bonus. So. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, and although we've been scoring goals for fun so far this season, apart from the Chelsea match, um, we are not going to get ourselves rolled into a full sense of security on that one. Two, two out-and-out strikers, not enough, obviously. We're looking at other options and we'll see what happens. But... In the meantime, um, there's been quite a bit going on recently in the news in terms of COVID. We've had recently good old Colin at Middlesbrough, um, Neil Warnock got COVID. David Skeletor Moyes also has it. It's a former Man United manager, of course. Um, and uh, it was announced, I think it was like an hour before kickoff in their League Cup match in midweek, along with a couple of players. Um, weird timing. Shouldn't they have had that information sooner? Sounds like it. 
Yeah, I think it was a bit odd because the two players that got it were supposed to be in the starting lineup. So they were only withdrawn from the starting lineup after they got to the ground. So I think I don't know if it was. It's a bit odd because presumably they all knew that they were waiting for results to come back. Mm. Um, but I think I what they said is none of the three had any symptoms. So I guess none of them were expecting to be. Positive. I find it very interesting because didn't Leighton Orient have the similar before their Spurs game, and they've now had to forfeit the game. Yeah. But for some reason That's or another, West Ham were allowed to fulfil their fixture. So yeah, I think it's the rules around that are. Well, I think because Leighton Orient had so many players positive that they couldn't actually put out a, Is that a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And obviously, yeah, West Ham were able to just replace the two. Um, One of the questions we raised was how far does this forfeiture go forward? I mean, at what point do they go, we'll rearrange a fixture? Do you get to the cup final? You can't put out. Yeah, exactly. Do... I was thinking that if it's the cup final and one team's wiped out do you just go that's it i don't know i presume they've got to if you do it if you do it for one round i presume you've got to follow it for every round that would be my assumption but i, I could also see the fact that there will be tv revenues lost at a cup final level that may influence that yeah decision. maybe a bit different um <laughs> yeah it is it a bit the, bizarre um, i was gonna say it ruined the harry kane derby didn't it which uh, would have been taken yeah, it did slightly between his loan club of the past who he sponsored the shirt off didn't he as part of the lockdown and actually, in all credit to the Spurs fans, 20,000 of them bought a Leighton Orient shirt and donated yeah. it to charity for Leighton Orient to give out in their local community to help brilliant. the club. That's really good, yeah. I heard there was that something going on. I didn't realise it was that many fans had, signed, had bought a shirt. So that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, fair play to them. Um, really good to, to hear that. It's, yeah, I mean, the, the thing with the League Cup, it's just so compressed, isn't it? There's no room for, there's no wiggle room at all here. So um, it does make things rather awkward. Um, we'll be talking about... Be, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, if you get to the point where this starts to become an issue for Premier League fixtures or EFL fixtures, I mm. mean, there's not that much room for any games to be mm. re- rearranged, are there? I mean, particularly you've got clubs... I mean, there's already going to be weekend and midweek games for most clubs anyway. So if you get well, yeah, into a over City. Christmas, yeah, I mean, where, where are you supposed to find the the extra days? I mean, Spurs are already playing like I think they're playing five games in eleven days or something. They're in a run of that mm. at the moment. Yeah, it's because they're playing the like Europa League qualifiers, qualifiers, aren't they? Yeah, yeah and then they're in the EF, obviously they have the EFL Cup, and they've got the Premier League. So I mean, I don't think there's much room for. For uh, for rearranging anything at the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it really is a bit of a disaster. Internationals, we were saying off air, you know, they're really cluttering up things as well because they're still going ahead, which is involving some COVID exposure potentially happening between countries, but also I mean, it's helping to keep this congestion in place. In terms I think it's going to depend what happens over the next few weeks as to whether countries get added to each other's quarantine this aren't they because our club's going to be happy for someone to go and play a, a nations league game in iceland most, or somewhere and then they've got to most of these will know, be exempt in terms of elite sports bubbles oh yeah, yeah they do it don't they providing they're tested properly yeah, before aren't and they? after and they are isolated properly but then you saw what happened with greenwood and foden you know yeah i i understand that you know there is a degree of their certainly for Mason Greenwood is a 18, 19 year old yeah. immature lad who's living the best life and yeah. there is exceptions. But and who, the are the, 
Well, you're going to said really you could have done with a break there as well when he was having that um, that trip. Was, uh, it probably didn't help. No. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, they're not as, those bubble environments are not as secure as they're made out to be. Hmm. Well, they yeah. had that in the they had that in the cricket, didn't they? Early in the summer, where Joffre Archer just decided to go home. Between, <laughs> yeah, just, that's right. He just did, between yeah. a couple of the games, just he thought I can just go and pick up some <laughs> pick up some stuff on the way. Madness. Madness. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, in terms of matters on the pitch, um, first of all, I should mention alpacas on the pitch. I presume you've seen this news item as well that's happened in the last few days from the uh, well, the prestigious Carlton versus Ilkley game. Um, I have no idea where that is or what, what was going on, but um, alpacas invading the pitch. Um, quite frankly, if they can do a job up front, sign them up, Albion. Um, he looked quite pacey, actually, I thought. Uh, for the yeah, could do a job. Uh, yeah, Peter, do you see that? What's your uh, take on? No, um, I'm, I am having a quick look now. Carlton <laughs> Athletic in West Yorkshire was halted. So West Yorkshire. I mean, it's almost like sitting, uh, watching the Hibs play and they get attacked by uh, <laughs> random sheep dogs. or something or dogs. <laughs> Not that there's, yeah, it'd be really weird. It's I'm happened be... before with our Sunday team, hasn't it? <laughs> um, oh, dogs, yes. Alpacas. No. Yeah, literally that's, yeah, that's yet to happen. Although I should also mention in Enfield, where I'm based um, in North London, there, is, uh, there are two um, llamas kicking around. There's a guy who walks llamas around, um, I kid you not. One of the first things I saw when I moved to the area, I thought it was uh, <laughs> rather extraordinary. And I've never seen them since, but I know where they're kept. I've seen them being grazing in a field somewhere. Um, so maybe there's still a chance we can have some... Uh, some mammals of a certain type uh, of long-necked um, uh, description could get on the pitch at some point in the future. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, other matters on the pitch. Um, were you guys, uh, United, they, uh, the weekend, uh, well, I've got to say I'm very disappointed with you boys. You've lost to the C word. This is a cardinal sin. We were relying on you, Peter. Um, the Palace game. I, first of all, there's a caveat. Of course, that penalty decision was preposterous. Um for one thing, um, notwithstanding the um, the goal line, uh, so the goal line retake. My um, my 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 take on that goal line retake was that it was was it not? I missed it. Zaha scored it, and I'm very much like. Well, if IU has to retake it, surely IU has to take the second penalty. You can't just change mm. penalty taker. I feel that that's such an advantage. Or at least he's had a miss. So I'll have a go. That's a very good point, actually. Um, I quite like that. Um, quite an interesting idea. I think they should. Yeah, I mean, definitely you guys will. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, after the result of it. Incidentally, yeah. David De Gea has not saved the last, I think, 18 penalties that have been put in front of him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> not bad. Um, well, don't mind if we uh, get some then. Um, we've, we've been joined by Robin's daughter, whose name is... Tilda, Camilla. Oh, Camilla, sorry, Camilla. Yeah, mixing yeah. up my friend's daughter's names. Uh, there she is. She's playing around. We also heard from Peter's dog earlier on. Uh, who we, we should name check now he's made his, uh, his debut. What's his Buddy. name? Buddy. Buddy. Yes. Nice. I was expecting a Man United player's name, to be honest. <laughs> Ryan or Paul or something. No. <laughs> but anyway, there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a disappointing from a Brian point of view because we want you guys not only from the rivalry point of view, but potential divisional, positional rivals uh, point of view, we'd rather they drop points. Um, I'd very much rather you... they drop points against us too. 
Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, Palace is a way kit. What's your take on that? I can't decide if I hate it or quite like it. Um, the one with the uh, the red and blue singular stripes on a white top. I don't, you, I don't know if they were wearing that against you guys, were they? I can't remember. They were, yeah. yeah. Um, interesting. I quite like it. It's a bit different. I'll give them some credit. They gave us credit for our new home top, uh, some of their fans. So, uh, you know, reciprocation. This is the, the diagonal stripe one, isn't it? I, I, no, I think it's vertical. He's a vertical. Is it vertical this season? Yeah, yeah. But um, it's, a, it's a bit of a different one, I have to say. Um, yeah, interesting. I quite like Everton's home and away kits this year, actually. Vibrant pink colour's good. And um, the home kit's simple but effective, pretty decent. Um, I like I like United's away kit. Mm, home kit's all right. The third kit, I don't know if you've seen, is much of a monstrosity. <laughs> you can see where I was leading with all this, couldn't you? <laughs> I was working my way around to it. Yeah, that is something else. What were they thinking? Um, unless they're going in, in camouflage uh, somewhere in the wilds. I don't know where they're going to be playing their games in the third kit. But, uh, <laughs> the, the, the initial design I saw for it looked quite interesting. And it looked much better. It's black and white dazzle camo, but certainly yeah. uh, a better black and white dazzle camo than the, uh, what they ended up with. <laughs> yeah, that's madness. Well, there we go. Um, incidentally, just another bit of um, information on the Palace front. Possession-wise, um, the stats read from their two league games this season, 27% possession and 24% possession, yet they've come away with two wins. As obviously, uh, I think it's needless to say, a rather effective counter-attacking system in play there, by the looks of it. Um, that's not bad going for them. Terrible stats and, and possession terms. We have had the majority of possession in all of our games so far. So, and we're playing Palace soon, so I'm getting a little worried about that. Um, what's your take on the game? Sorry, go on. Yeah. I watched, I didn't say it was the Preston game. I watched it at you versus Chelsea. Mm. Is it, is, that was not your opening game of the season, was it? That was your second yeah, game. Yeah, that was the first game, yeah. First yeah. game, okay. mm. uh, I just watched it. Honestly, until they scored, I thought you were the better team. Yeah. I thought yeah. Lamptey just <laughs> looks an absolute like oh you know what? <laughs> if he could defend like Aaron Wambasaka or Aaron Wambasaka could attack like Kim. Oh, good grief. A hell of a player. <laughs> <laughs> that would be some player, wouldn't it? I have to say, because yeah, Wambasaka is a great tackler. Um his sliding tackles are particularly mind you, Lamptey's pretty good with the sliding tackle. He's not bad. Um, yeah, his last really... ditch one on Sunday was pretty good, wasn't I've it? Yeah. Really Callum Wilson. Everywhere, he's absolutely on fire. He, he came in after lockdown last year. That's when he made his debut, having signed in the January. And um, but he stepped on even more than his impressive performances. Oh, yeah. Well. How old um, is he? What, 17, 18? 19. 19, yeah. just. Yeah. yeah. And he, he, looks, he looks about 13, but he's, he's 19. Yeah. <laughs> but, and for three, to be honest, for three million quid, um, yeah. it's, a, it's a steal, to be honest multiplied that value already haven't we on that one but uh, he's, he, he's looking good and I think when we get on to the United preview later but I think he could be if we can get anything from the game he's got to be a key element of it I think um, because it shakes teams up and puts them out of shape a little bit so we'll, we'll see we'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment um, just a couple of other bits of news have been in the, um, the football world this week and Colchester's chairman's been having a pop I don't know if you've heard about this the lower yeah, league that was great that was yeah. absolutely spectacular <laughs> I mean, first of all, he, he had a go on his website about the League One and Two teams having to, I think they have to, there's a, there's a split in when they allocate um, 
money f the, from the streaming for the games, I think the first 500, they, the home club gets it. After that, the away club gets it. So Colchester had less than 500 of their own fans signing up for the stream for the game against Bolton. Um, Bolton had 2,500 sign up. So as the away team, they're getting the majority of the game's money. And um, obviously there's going to be a number of games like that where there's big clubs in smaller divisions. The likes of Bradford who get um, five-figure crowds at home games, for example, whenever they're playing away, they're going to benefit massively from this. Uh, well, it's a loophole really in what should be uh, a system benefiting the home side who would normally get the majority of money in a usual season. Um, and then he, he had to go about something else though as well, didn't he? Was that what you remember, Peter? This? I absolutely went in on the COVID restrictions with no fans saying, I yeah. don't understand it. I can be packed into a plane with 300 random strangers, but I can't have outdoor fans in a big stadium. I don't yeah. get it. Absolutely. No, yeah. I completely point. agree with him on, on all those points, to be fair. It's, uh, I'm sorry I didn't catch his name on there, but I'll um, try and reference that later. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's just saying what we all think, isn't he, really? I would think. Um, I'm sure the Bolton fans would maybe saying, well, we're okay and <laughs> we're all right, thanks. But apart from I suppose, that... I suppose with the reverse fixture, there'll still be two and a half thousand Bolton fans looking to hmm. watch that and there will still be away fans in that. So I, I, it probably works both ways, but I don't really understand why we just wouldn't split the revenue 50-50. Yeah. But that would have done, wouldn't it, really, and given the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, Robin, any thoughts on that one? <laughs> um, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think we all know how much Lurley clubs are struggling and I think it's trying to come up with the fairest, the fairest solution. Yeah. And I think it's good. I mean, it's good that the clubs are getting the re most, seemingly getting the most of the revenue because it's normally the kind of thing that the league or the provider just hoovers up everything anyway. But yeah, I do. I think it does seem a bit, a bit unfair. And you thought these clubs, the bigger clubs in the EFL are probably the ones that are not necessarily going to struggle as much. Maybe they've got other, you know, they've got bigger sponsorship deals or, you know, other revenue streams anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very yeah, it's, tricky. It's a tricky it's a balance. Point. Yeah. Before we get into the match review and preview section, just quick final points on the news from this week, from, from me anyway. Um, Ryan Reynolds has taken an interest in Wrexham. This is a bizarre story. Apparently about eight years ago, there was some incidental comment made on Twitter and uh, he subsequently... I'm going to be investing along with uh, the star of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, I can't remember his name, McKinney, I think his name is. Um, and, I mean, they, uh, he said, eight years later, here I am. I'm, I'm coming to join you guys. Bizarre story. Um, I don't know if his motives are, are true. Well, they tried to buy, they were turned down from buying Hartlepool first. Oh, really? Which is in your neck of the woods where you're... Which is causing a bit of consternation in these parts. Not because it's Ryan Reynolds, but because they don't really understand why... The owner at Hartlepool has been making noises that uh, he doesn't really yeah. want to keep well, putting in the level of money that he has been. Um, and here was seemingly a you know credible offer to buy, which has been... Yeah, well, a couple of my mates are Darlington fans, and they, they probably would um, jump at the chance to refer to Hartlepool as Deadpool from now on, I suppose. Um, <laughs> nice. And of course, the, well, the current Hartlepool owner used to be the owner of Darlington. Oh, right, right. Not George Reynolds, of course, somebody no, else. No, uh, Raj, Raj Singh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, he was not very popular, as I understand it. No, similarly, mm. he sort of started off quite, I mean, as always, when these takeovers happen, someone rides in on their white horse as the saviour. Yeah. Um, and they get a bit of grace. And then, 
you know yeah. that's not soured particularly but i think it's if these things don't immediately go amazingly on the pitch then i think it can both parties can quickly realize i think the investor realizes that they're gonna to have to put in a bit more money than they probably thought and the fans think that they're not necessarily getting what was promised so anyway be interesting yeah. to see how what what actually transpires with with wrexham yeah absolutely and um well um I mean, they seem a decent club, and we have a, a close association with them from uh, a Fans United event where we've got, gone over and, uh, and joined them in making protests for the, a previous regime that they had at the time. So, um, yeah, we wish them well, see what happens. Yeah. Um, Body has rejoined us. He's now uh, in frame, <laughs> attacking Pete. <laughs> um, as, as he does so, we'll move on to the preview, well, sorry, on to the um, review podcast, uh, part of the podcast regarding the Preston game. And I was unable to see this first match in some capacity or other that I haven't seen live for quite a long time because um, I was working. But uh, Robin, you caught the game, didn't you? I mean, the lineup, first of all, was pretty similar to the previous yeah, much round. Yeah, much the same as the previous round. Yeah, Roberts yeah. coming in to start. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think the only other change was Stevens wasn't involved. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. Sanders having been involved started. against, um, yeah, Sanders started ahead of Stevens, having been involved in yeah. the Portsmouth game. Um, and for what I understand, it was a bit of a, it was a slightly reserved Preston eleven as well. Um, a few of their regulars weren't weren't starting. Mm. It was a a bit of a cagey kind of first half, really. Um, Preston had a few good chances. We had a few good chances. Preston hit the bar. Um, towards the end of the first half and they had a period in that kind of last 15 minutes of the first half where they probably should have scored um, mm. and that might have made the game um, a bit of a different proposition but as the second half went on um, the kind of the Premier League quality um, mm. shone through a bit obviously Jahanbash scored another another terrific goal um, and then a very slick move for the second goal from McAllister but it was I mean it's one of those games where it's it really could have gone. I think an early goal for Preston, it could have made it a bit more of a, a difficult task, but yeah. it was good it was to see fun. the, the fringe players get a run out. I thought Sanders looked, looked pretty good. Um, yeah. Roberts looked pretty good again. Jahan Bash was lively and is obviously trying yeah. to get himself in the frame for, for having yeah. some first team action. Well, you'd already joked in the previous round, um, as the standard world-class goal, you know, he's, yeah. he scored as well. And he scored another <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't quite at the height goal. of his other ones, but yeah, it was a very, very good finish. Um, yeah. The only, the only kind of not negative, but the only thing to note really is that Pascal Gross continues, in my view, to regress a little bit mm. um, as the months go by. I'm not sure if it's the other players that have come back and come in. You know, Alzate and Basuma are making him look a bit pedestrian in terms of his pace. We've known that he's always been. He's not been the quickest off the yeah. blocks, but he does seem it does seem noticeable that he's a bit more off the pace um, mm. now that we've got other faster players in the team. But yeah, I think it's more the case of that, isn't it? As well as yeah. much as anything, but I, I think um, I mean nonetheless he still got in amongst the action because he got the assist yeah. for the second goal, didn't he? For McAllister. Yeah, yeah, he still uh, I say did did very well, and Davy could see Davy proper get some yeah get some yeah. game time as well. And it, I mean, Jan Batch and McAllister being the scorers, I'm really, really pleased they're getting amongst the goals because they're the peripheral members who are still trying to integrate themselves into the English game, one more freshly than the other. But um, in both cases, the fact they're getting 
some goals. And not only that, but we're progressing and therefore getting more chances to, to ingratiate them in um, is great. And just watching the joy on the faces, they're enjoying their football. It's, it's been a feel-good competition so far. Um, never yeah. thought I'd ever say that about the League Cup in, in general, let alone for the Albion, um, who rarely get uh, to the stage we're at uh, on Wednesday, let alone the fact we've gone through. Um, we do, of course, in the next round, face Manchester United, which will be a good follow-up game uh, to the game against Manchester United uh, <laughs> at the weekend. We're going to get rather bored of your team, Peter, at this rate. Um, <laughs> it's good. Um, Saturday, Wednesday, is it not? Yes, Saturday and Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday confirmed now because I haven't had time to check. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. 7.45. Yeah. Brilliant. That's good. So looking forward to that. Um, so in terms of the, um, the Saturday game, of course, that's a lunchtime kickoff. Um, the good news for us, first of all, in progressing in the, in the League Cup is that that man brings Basuma's three-match ban to only one game affected by the Premier League, albeit it does mean <laughs> he misses the other Man U game. Um, but, that, I mean, that's, that's good news for us looking further forward. In terms of the Man U game itself, uh, we, we'll, we'll cross the, uh, the, I suppose the League Cup game is it's neither here nor there. We'll just, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that one. But as far as the League game goes, we know roughly what we're going to be talking about in terms of teams uh, and in terms of prospects. And wh- where do you see the game being won here? You got a good result last season against us, um, just only a matter of weeks ago, wasn't it? Um, I think we're a better side than when we turned out for that match. But... Are United going to win this, in your opinion? And it should so, win it. We have a better team than you. Yeah. We have a better front three. We have ostensibly the best midfield, potentially, in the Premier League. Yeah. And then we have a hapless centre-back pairing. And, uh, significant <laughs> this is where issues. I like to yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> significant issues in the back four. I think... Mm-hmm. Watching the highlights, David De Gea actually wasn't at fault for any of the goals. You know, mm. he had a reasonably good game. He had a couple of good saves. I think potentially Dean Henderson putting that pressure maybe has focused him. Yeah. He always knew day dot that he was on the starting team when Sergio Romero was around. Now he doesn't. Maybe it's yeah. kind of got his head in line. Hopefully, if that continues, we'll see David De Gea of three seasons ago making world-class saves when he needs to. Bailly is allegedly fit. Um, and he's probably our best centre-back to pair with Maguire, given his pace and Maguire's lack of. Unfortunately for Bailly, he's so reckless to a, um, to a fault that he'll put in silly tackles and that's where he gets injured all the time. Hmm. If he can get a good run of games and keep himself fit, he might be that sort of interim solution till... You know, I think next summer, Umpamakano and things like that, that's where buyout clauses start to come into effect, not this year. And I think that's where people are starting to monitor him, especially in the sort of money tight world. Yeah. But and if I had it... If... That's because there's some cracking centre-backs out there, isn't there? And some have been acquired, most are still up for grabs in one sense or another. Um, it really is where you've got that major surgery. For me, looking on the outside, looking in, um, as, an, as a neutral in that sense, um, I would say, looking at them through the last few months, that looks like the major issue now that the midfield has got itself into gear. Um, but what, I mean, yeah, to really make the step up, I think that's where they've got to they've got to focus. What, what think, about that? Sorry, go on. I think where we agreed we needed to make signings, I think it was discussed the last time we had this <laughs> conversation yeah. was a right wing 
a centre mid, a centre back, and a left back. Hmm. We signed the centre mid, which actually was the lowest of the priorities across that. Yeah. And we seem to have forgotten about the really important centre back, left back, and right wing. Although, you know, if your rumours are to be believed, Alex Tellers from Porto is uh, looking. That's just a matter of agreeing a fee because he's only got one year left on his contract anyway. Yeah. Uh, so that's United trying to drive that down. And potentially a Jaden Sancho yeah. last-minute mega-money deal. I mean, the Jaden Sancho thing, is that a case of Woodward finally starting to try and play hardball after the, the comedy of uh, paying over the odds, seemingly paying more than the asking price if, um, for if, a number of players before? If Woodward genuinely has taken the step of this is what we're going to pay hmm. or we'll walk away and has walked away. He'll have earned a little bit of respect back from United fans because we all know what's going to happen on the 4th of October. Jen Sancho is going to be signed for 120 million, not 108 million. I suppose the, the, crucial bit, the crucial bit of that is that if Woodward is going to walk away, genuinely walk away, he's got to have a legitimate a backup. backup solution. Yes. I agree. That, to me, as an outsider, that's the big if. Does yes. he, in fact, I, have? I personally a don't think solution? so. I think we've 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 discussed a few. You know, Ismana Dembele came up, but he doesn't want to leave Barca. I think Gareth Bale was mooted at one point, wasn't he? As a I wouldn't have had Gareth temporary. Bale because Gareth Bale would have played left coming in right where he'd always played, which doesn't really suit where we wanted him yeah. anyway. And also. I'm not sure I could justify £17 million in wages mm. for a player who's played 15 games a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, quite a hefty packet, isn't it, really? And, well, um, but in terms of value for money, I just wonder what your thought is. If Chelsea have gone and had a ridiculous transfer window, and all credit to them for that. No. But they've gone and bought Kai Havertz, played a slightly different position to Sancho. They bought it for about 75, going up to 90 million. Mm. And yet he, he's a year younger than Sancho with less experience, less goals, less assists. Yeah. Are United not shooting themselves in the foot potentially if Havertz is going for 90 million and Chelsea just goes, you know what, we're buying him? United just stump up the 100. Yeah, I think Sancho. that's always a difficult situation where one club is prepared to really dive into the water and pay. I'd imagine what happened. Where did he come from? Leverkusen, didn't he? I think. Leverkusen, yeah. I'd imagine Leverkusen just went that standard thing. We don't really want to sell someone. And they went 90 million, like ridiculous. Go on if you want him. And Chelsea just went, yep. Which sort of is a bit annoying from a Man United point of view because it, when you've got team, it, it does because it's the one time if Man United are going to try and sort of be, play hardball or be sort of commercially, um, you know, on the yeah. ball. <laughs> Um, it doesn't help when you've got someone signing a similar a similar player from a from the same country or from the same league, um, you know, operating on a, a totally different level. So I, I'd imagine Dortmund have now gone. Well, if Havertz has gone for upwards yeah. of ninety million, that his price, Sancho's price tag is going to have ticked up and, a little bit. And they and they played a blinder with it too. They didn't tell anybody he'd signed his extension to twenty twenty three. Yeah. Until United put a bid in and went, well, actually, he doesn't have a year <laughs> left. He has three. And the other big question is, is, does Sancho actually want to come? 
I think Sancho would probably like to come back to the Premier League. I don't think he's averse to staying with Dortmund as well. I, I think there's a he's in a win-win situation there. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, he just he can name his we can yeah, basically name, his, name price. his price, can't he? Uh, I mean, I think if they don't get him next year, United have got to go and blow the whole lot in the next summer. And just to add insult to injury, activate uh, the 65 million euro release clause for Haaland and buy him too. Mm. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> that would annoy, that would A, annoy Dortmund for playing hardball this season, but B, <laughs> also incredibly strengthen United next season. Yeah, what a player he is. Um, incredible, incredible looking guy as well. Uh, <laughs> rather blubber faced in some sort of weird sort of way, but he, he's a hell of a player, isn't he? And he's only going to get better. Um, I mean, he's, he's basically the next Lewandowski, isn't he, really? I suppose in uh, nearest, I don't know if it's quite the same player, but in terms of that, just... That goal, was it that goal he scored? Was it the, the international breaks? The, the left foot top, top bins, like, I was just like, that's outrageous. Mm. He actually, he, he's the first player since original Ronaldo, who reminds me of original Ronaldo. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's not all about pace. He's about intelligent movement, good finishing, yeah. both feet. Yeah. And it's that similar. An original Ronaldo always used to like. He was one of those players that wherever the ball was going to end up, he, was he just he just seemed to be there. Yeah, and um, I was, I'm reintroducing cliche of the week, and so it's a good time to actually jump in with one I just thought of. Good feet for a big man. <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> and he really is. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's fast, but he's... He's very uh, quick. I mean, there was that... I think we talked about one of the other episodes. There was that goal he on, scored on the counter-attack in the Champions League. Mm. Well, I think it was this season's Champions League, but before the, yeah. the pandemic, have... where I think he clocked whatever... I think at that point, he'd clocked the fastest speed mm. in Europe at that point. Because I think he got he went from box to box in like nine seconds or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's sort of deceptive and disarming a bit as well, isn't it? Because he's a bit more of a not not lumbering looking, but he he doesn't look like Usain Bolt as another tall guy, for example. Yeah. He looks more like you don't think this tall guy is going to be that fast, and then he's yeah, which he is. is which is actually really difficult for the defenders because I I bet some of them will actually get lulled into thinking I think I've got the measure of this guy, and then realise that actually. Yeah. It's deceptive watching most of them as athletes now. I mean, if you look at mm-hmm. Hogba or something like that, yeah. he's got such a weird leggy way of running. And now by no means is he an out and out like sub 10 meter, ton, sub 10 second, hundred meter sprinter, but he's deceptively quick for his size. You know, mm-hmm. athletically, the professionals in this day and age are something to be admired. And I think particularly that would make it, I'd imagine it makes him very difficult to tackle in that same patch, the way that Patrick Vieira was basically, used to be a massive yeah. spider. He used to look like a huge spider running really quickly. And you think, how do you, how do you tackle that? <laughs> exactly. Not easily is a word. Um, no. Speaking of um, Pogba earlier on, I think that he started to get a little bit more, certainly more of an effect in games against us and in general. Um, the last match we played a few weeks back during Project Restart, obviously Bruno Fernandes was the uh, particularly key ingredient there. He absolutely ran the show when we played them. Greenwood was very good as well. Greenwood, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who, of course, scored the devastating goal on the counter as well. Great, great move. Um, it's going to be difficult because I think the way Potter plays, we've had the majority of possession in every game this season. 
uh, 54% in the Preston game, by the way, I forgot to mention. But in all four, four games, we've had the possession majority, including Chelsea, not by a huge amount. Um, but the way we're playing, you would suggest might suit United to catch us out, which is what they've done when we've had a more naive approach to the games previously. Certainly the old Trafford game earlier last season. Um, yeah. We really got... Uh, we, that was the one time we were tactically naive, I thought, in essence. And we got pulled apart, really, on the break in that match. Um and, you know, just then got overawed. I think this game, as Pete said, yeah, the, the midfield is pretty strong now. They've really got in their stride. We, we've got a good midfield, and certainly there's more dynamism in the team, not helped by Basuma's suspension, of course, but we have got Alzati in there. We've got maybe Proper comes back in. I don't know who we play. Of course, we, it's impossible to guess a Potter team. But um, we've, got, we've got something about us there. We can take the game to United. It's going to be one, I think, in this match, only by us if we manage to, I think, catch you out on the break. If we can get the likes of Lamptey uh, or Connolly bursting through, maybe I, splitting open. I don't. I don't even think it'll take the break. I think it's if you have a period of a fifteen-minute purple patch hmm. where you can keep a level of sustained pressure, we're so liable to a mistake at the back. It's going to happen. Yeah, I think it. I think we said the other day, Russ. For me, it 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 really it's as simple as which United turn up. Yeah. If it's the United that turned up at the Amex, then I'd imagine we're going to see much the same. If it's the United that turned up against Crystal Palace, then we've got a real chance. I, mean, and I think it, only, I think it comes down to that. I'm only going to make a small excuse because realistically, we were terrible from what I the bits of the Crystal Palace game that I've seen, but. We have had a fairly disjointed start to the season with, oh, yeah. I think, four players turning up for the first day of pre-season through various things. You know, Pope isolated for two weeks due to having tested positive for COVID. Aaron Wan-Bissaka away because he's been out in Dubai naively. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Who was told not mm-hmm. to go? Goes anyway. Uh, Maguire yeah. getting arrested certainly didn't help. Um, uh, Green, Green, Greenwood training on his own because he couldn't train with the team until he'd gone through the COVID protocols and returned a negative test. You know, yeah. that, that's a signal. Like, so he was obviously on the bench. At that point, he came on, you know, we were 2-1 and then, some, you know, uh, then Zahas was an absolute worldie. You know, the penalty was a bit ridiculous. But if it was one each at the time, would Zaha have been able and had the confidence to just do that. You never know. Um, so I think, you know, Van der Beek looked good, came on. He's only brand new into the system. You know, how's he supposed to learn? I think I'd be very interested to see how you could play those three in a three, given the attacking things. Although I'm sure they're good enough to, if it came to it. Um, yeah, that's what I was wondering. Cause it means that of those three, you'd have thought Pogba's going to be the one that's going to have to sit. But, I think Pogba is perfectly capable of doing that. He's very good at oh, guarding yeah, no, the is. ball. It's just it's whether, whether or not he was, wants he, to I play. think before he got a bit pissed off having to do that role, I think, didn't he? Because he his preference is obviously to I think he got pissed up. off doing that role because there was nobody further up who's good as him. <laughs> um, fair enough, fair point. Potentially now he's got the confidence to ping a ball into Fernandez's feet and know that that's going into the Someone right Someone else is going to take it on, yeah. Um, Van der Beek will do the same thing and I think 
he's also perfectly capable of playing in that holding role, especially if you play two at the back and one at the top and then one just sort of runs box to box and the other fills in for whoever's gone. That might work as well. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Pogba, who is allegedly going to sign a new deal, signs a new deal or falls out because he doesn't want to play in that holding role and then things go reverse. So it's, it's an interesting one. We said on this podcast a few weeks ago, Signing Pogba is also another key mm. thing. And although Raiola sounds very positive, in all fairness, for the first time in four years, I wouldn't believe a word out of that man's mouth until the ink is dry on the contract. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you wonder whether it's you wonder whether it's COVID having an impact on other clubs' finances and well, what you can actually get elsewhere, I suppose, maybe. The, the only places that can sign him are um, Juventus and Madrid. They're, they're the two they've been talked about. Juventus aren't going to do it now. They've just signed Artur from oh, yeah. Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona. And mm. the Spanish teams aren't allowed to sign another player unless they sell a player. So we can't go to Madrid unless they sell Kroos or Modric or something. Yeah, and the other thing I saw was that they've then got to pay back a similar amount to the transfer to the, fee to the to the Spanish authorities to help, yeah, because they, they bailed to, them out. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about the very loud opening of a tin of beer there <laughs> from dominating the airway for a few seconds. So realistically, if that continues into next summer, Madrid aren't buying him either. Mm. No, yeah. could he? Go, he wouldn't want to go to PSG, would he? I couldn't see. I, I couldn't see Pogba wanting to go to PSG. There's a reason Mbappe wants out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, just a quick word on Donny van der Beek. I'm a big fan of his, actually. I've been admiring him since the uh, I, the current Ajax team sort of came into their prominence a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Um, uh, he's, he's been brilliant, I think. One of the almost unsung a little bit because people were talking a lot about uh, De Ligt and other players like that in that particular team. And I think van Beek almost went under the radar a little bit. Um, but funnily, he's, funnily, he's a good player, isn't he? Funnily enough, if you look at that Ajax team, I feel like Van der Beek may have allowed the uh, Frankie De Jong to um, shine a bit mm. because yeah. without that sort of partnership that he had, mm. um, he hasn't achieved as much at Barcelona. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, isn't it? Um, it we're, we're, it's going to be really an interesting game, actually. I think because we're playing with a bit more dynamism, a little bit more. Uh, I think a little bit more confidence is the key here. We're starting to open teams up a bit more. We're taking the game, we've always had the intention to, but we're taking the game physically, successfully to teams a bit more. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see how this one's going to pan out. Um, we need I'm to hope. go on our, our game, obviously. We've got to start well, which we did against Newcastle. Um, they were ridiculously open in the, in, in the channels and in, in between the lines. And we exploited the space brilliantly against them and very efficiently and quickly. Whether we'll get the chance to do that against you guys will, um, will remains to be seen. But um, it's going to be I'm interesting. I'm sure it goes away with the Chelsea game. Where... Yeah, well, it might. <laughs> I feel like you were the better team for a large portion of that first half. Yeah, and, and it was annoying because it, it, it was obviously a mistake from Alzato to play. Yeah. And We've we, talked we, about we... in the last episode. It's one of those things and it's... Uh, anyways, yeah, it's one of those things, and then it, obviously it's a it's a world class goal out of nowhere from Reese James, wasn't it? So oh, what a finish that was! Yeah. 
Oh, good girl. Yeah. Um, um, we, I mean, the annoying thing is also, as we, we mentioned on the previous pod, we were hoping to, ca- uh, to play Chelsea then. That was the perfect time because we were catching them cold. More chance of getting a result. And it did feel like they were there for the taking, at least. Yeah, they worked off. They didn't have Ziyech or Thiago yeah. Silva or... Um, I, mean, I think... I think I'd say it's the same case probably for United Palace, wasn't it, really? It's, um, they, they were lucky enough, not only with the penalty decision they had, but also with the... Um, yeah, you said the, the other side, the build-up or lack yeah. of build-up. Yeah, because yeah, they had played a game as well. We were starting our first game. Yeah. And I fear that you've probably warmed up enough to make, uh, to make that possible factor not be a part of the equation uh, now. But who knows? We'll, we'll see. You might still be a little bit green. Who knows? I'd have preferred the League Cup game to be this weekend. Yeah. We're going to have to say goodbye to Robin, by the way. He's, he's out. Yeah. Cheers, Robin. Got to shoot off and do uh, contend with bedtime. And, yes, uh, yeah. indeed. Good, good to join you. And yeah, <laughs> yep. speak soon. Night-night to uh, the little one. See you soon. Cheers. So just me and Peter, just for the last moments or so, um, I didn't get Robin's prediction. I don't think he's particularly uh, mm. going to say anything too outlandish. I would imagine he'd predict a Man United win. I am really unsure on this one. I'm looking at our head-to-head, by the way. isn't too bad, really, all things considered, especially when we've played you in different divisions sometimes. Um, well, we've been in a different division. We've had three wins, um, which were all the home games, the consecutive league home games. Five draws, including mainly at home games, and 15 wins for you guys. Um, I'm inclined to think this is going to be probably a Man United win. I'm going to say it's going to be close, though. I'm going to go for 2-1, which is oh, the same thing as the Chelsea game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would have gone 2-1 United. 2-1 win. The only other option, I think, for me is we might get a draw. I, I can't see us winning it, to be honest. I hope, we, I hope I'm wrong, but I'd, I'm, I'd be very, very pleased with a draw in this game, I have to say. Um, having got the win against Newcastle and doing well in the League Cup, I'd be quite happy with that. Um, and again, having watched us against Luton, I'd probably be happy with the draw too, because although we came out winning 3-0, the first yeah. 75 minutes was dire. Yeah, and that's against our old, our old boy Nathan Jones, of course, who's a former player of ours and uh, an assistant um, in the management stakes. Um, he's, he's a good guy. He's doing very well with them, and um, they're not to be underestimated. If they had a one, that would have been a, a, a nice one for us anyway. Um, a lot of people asked, would we have taken a win against in one of the competitions, defeating the other which way round. And most people have said they'd take the win in the league. Personally, I think the league game is, to use that horrible uh, catchphrase, a free hit. Um, it probably is. We're not expected to win that game anyway. If we were to beat you in the League Cup, we would get to the quarterfinal for the first time in our history. That's how bad our record is in that competition. And with lots of the big clubs going head-to-head, um, Arsenal playing Liverpool next round, Spurs have got... Um, I can't remember who it is now. Um, Chelsea, I think. Yeah, Chelsea. Spurs, Chelsea. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah, Spurs, Chelsea. Um, there's going to be um, possibility that that could be a decent year to go on the cup run in the League Cup. So I would actually take defeat in the League game and a win in the Carabao Cup. I know I'm going to make myself unpopular saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing you, would, you wouldn't take defeat in either game at any cost. No, but if I had to trade defeat for a win, it would very much be take the league and let you have the League Cup win. More from a fixture congestion point of view than a, yeah. uh, than a, got got bigger well. fish, we've got a bigger fish to fry in terms of the Champions League, etc. Yeah. But yes, I think as a minimum, if we want to be taken as legitimate 
fourth yeah. in football, you know, perennial top four contenders and, you know, should we sign a couple of players as discussed? Then we could end up in a position uh, that I think we need to be winning all those sort of games. Yeah, yeah. United are a work in progress, definitely. Um, I've tipped them as, well, I, I think it's going to be Liverpool and City, possibly the other way around. But those two in the top, I've, I do think Chelsea will get third. And then I think United and Arsenal are going to be pushing fairly close behind them for that fourth spot. Um, I don't think I, Arsenal have the quality. Um, no, I tip United in the end for fourth. Um, oof, actually, I, I take that back. Good. Arsenal have the coaching quality because Arteta's coaching is, mm. I would suggest, significantly better than Ollie's. So certainly, from what I've seen of Arsenal, I think Arsenal lack some of the quality players. They've got some good youth. Mm. I really like Martinelli. I really like Saka. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I still think, again, although Gabriel and who's the new boy, Saliba? Yes, yeah. Uh, it's a new centre-back partnership, so it depends on how they gel, but they are... That, that's where they, they have the same issue as you. They needed to sort that defence out, didn't they? Uh, as amongst other things. Um, yeah, maybe a, a year too soon for them to, to yeah. really be able to, to get involved. But I, I've, I've gone for Liverpool City, Chelsea, United. Um, your top four prediction, maybe? I'll just ask you that as well, then, in order. Um, with the way the congestion is coming, I've got to say City over Liverpool because yeah. their squad is significantly more robust. Mm. And one injury to one of Liverpool's superstars. Uh, I mean, Thiago makes a big difference. That's how he beds in. Yeah. But I think, I think City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United. Mm. Would, that okay. would be how I see it. Yeah, pretty similar um, again. And we've both gone for 2-1 to United uh, tomorrow. Just quickly for the, for the League Cup, what's your prediction for the League Cup game as well between our two teams? Uh, see I, any difference or same again? <laughs> it comes down to which team United put out. Do mm. they put out the kids again? Or do they put out... I don't know. It's a very different game. I mean, I, that, if they put out the same team they put out against Luton, Agala, Fran, etc., um, potentially resting Maguire, um, mm. potentially giving is it Mengi the new the young eighteen year old centre back in our reserves again. I don't know, he could easily go to extra time. Mm. And we're playing. It's almost like a different. Well, it is a different team. We're playing with essentially the reserves, the more senior version of what we put out last year when we lost to Villa at the first port of call. Um, I, they're playing with confidence. I think Potter barring maybe one or two changes, will actually stick with that team, even though he's coming up against significantly stronger opposition. Because I think he'll, he'll want to ride on the, uh, on the wave of the confidence that they've got. And, I mean, it's vital to give them game time. Um, I could easily see that. I could see that being a draw uh, after yeah. 90 minutes. And then it's um, pens. And we're, we're quite good on pens. Um, I think is it extra time pens or just pens? No, straight to pens, yeah, as I understand. Okay. Unless they change around. But um, yeah, I, I could see us maybe doing you on pens. I can't see us winning an outfield. Out well, as you said, it depends on the team that United put out, actually, on that one. But I'm going to go for a penalty shootout win prediction on that one for the Albion. If, it, if it's going straight to pens, I'm going for a penalty shootout win for United. If it goes <laughs> to extra time, an extra time win for United. Yeah. All right. Okay. Brilliant. Well, on that note, I wish you the very worst of luck in your next two games. <laughs> yes, very <laughs> That's much. A, that's a customary comment when parting in such terms. 
Um, thanks very much for joining me, Peter. Um, no Thank you for having me. Yeah, best of luck for the rest of the season afterwards. Just to conclude this podcast, just to mention we're sponsored by Seagulls Over London. If you're interested in any information about joining, it's www.seagullsoverlondon.com. If you want to contact this show, Brighton Rock Podcast, it's at Brighton Rock Pod on Twitter, or you can email us Brighton Rock Podcast at Gmail. Uh, com. So, uh, yeah, so give us a call uh, if you want to. And in the meantime, up the Albion, stand or fall. And thanks again to you, Peter. See you thanks soon. See you soon. Cheers. So thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. One final footnote to today's episode is that since recording, I've just realised that we haven't mentioned the fact that Dale Stevens has just had his deal confirmed to move to Burnley on a permanent basis. Remember, Burnley were after him several years ago. We turned down, I think it was up to six bids in the end. But finally, they've got their man having come back in for him at this much later stage. Um, He was a Bolton lad. Um, He was 31 years old and he joined us in 2014, having six years with us until this year. And they've been great years. Has had had some criticism from certain quarters. The accusations of just crab passing, passing backwards, not knowing where the forward balls are. And really, I don't think that's quite true. I mean, he's when he's had options, he's used them and he has been an effective midfielder for us. He will be remembered and he will, will be fondly remembered for his time with us. Six years, a great servant. He had 213 appearances for us, according to Wikipedia, with 14 goals scored as well. And Ultimately, he was a player who was part of a really important part in our history. Um, The first three years were in the Championship. The last of those three years, of course, being the promotion into the Premier League. And he was a key part of that team. He was also a key part of the team which saw us settle our way into the Premier League once we got up there. And at one point, I know we would not tend to get a result when he wasn't in the team. So... You go with our blessing. You go with our best wishes. Dale, thank you for all the times. Thank you for the memories, particularly for that promotion year. And we'll look forward to seeing him in action against us for Burnley in this coming season. In the meantime, we focus our attention back to matters on the pitch for the Albion itself. And that big game against Manchester United, 12.30 kickoff tomorrow at the Amex. Come on, boys. We can get the three points. Up the Albion. Podcast Network.